Hey students, how are we doing today? It is, it is good to be here with you. Jasper, as, I, as always, I miss when I'm not with you, but I am excited for the opportunity to uh, speak to you guys today. And man, I have been loving uh, our Upside Down series so far, our journey through the, the book of Mark, and it has been phenomenal so far. And we have been talking about how uh, God is just doing things differently, differently than we probably expect, differently from the, uh, the way the people at that time would have thought things would have been done, probably different than the way we think things would probably be done uh, right now. It was different than the religious people expected. It was different than the unreligious people expected. He was doing things upside down. And, and where we finished last week, uh, Jesus had just finished gathering all the disciples. Uh, he had called them out. He told them to drop their nets. And they were going out and they started like a tour. They were going from town to town, uh, teaching people, healing people, uh, teaching them about who God was and, and making things happen. And they had begun uh, to get heard about. People began to know what was going on. And that's where we pick up our story today in Mark chapter 2. And it says, and when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And what it's saying there is that he, he had been going around teaching from place to place. And in this town called Capernaum, they had a place they were staying that it might have been you know, a place that Jesus was a part of. It might've been one of his disciples' homes. It might've been uh, a friend's home, but this was a place designed for him to rest. It was a place he was tired from going around, teaching everyone, healing everyone he needed uh, to step back for a second and, and relax and catch his breath. Um, but Jesus had become kind of a celebrity, right? People had begun to buy into the Jesus hype. And it says that there was a report out that Jesus was at this house. So people were talking, they said, hey, that Jesus guy that we have been hearing about, I think he's at this house over here. We should probably go check it out. Hey, this Jesus guy that we've been hearing about, I heard he's over there. Let's go see what it's all about. And he even had this religious paparazzi following him around, uh, trying to discredit what he was doing. They did not like that so many people were getting excited about Jesus. And so they wanted to kind of get up under his skin. They wanted to, to mess with him. They wanted people to not buy into this Jesus hype. And I actually love the way that Luke's gospel records this. In Luke's gospel, when it's recording the story, it starts out and it says, and it was one of those days. It was one of those days. It was one of those days where everything is just going wrong. It was one of those days where nothing went the way you wanted it to. It was one of those days where people's expectations for you were up here, but your expectations for yourself were about right here. It was one of those days. It was one of those days where everything was frustrating it was one of those days where it would have been more convenient to just focus on yourself than to focus on the needs of the other people around you. And, and this is what I believe. Sometimes it's on those days that God wants to use you the most. Sometimes it's on those days when it's not convenient, when you're too tired, when things are a little hard, that God wants to use you the most. And, and if this is a safe place for me, I feel like that sometimes. 
Like I know I'm up on the stage right now, but there are times where I don't feel like serving other people. There's times where I'm just too tired to do one more thing. There are times when, when I'm thinking, man, this person is asking me for help right now, but if I were to ask them for help, they probably wouldn't help me, so why should I go help them? Man, it, it's not my responsibility. I don't even wanna get up today. Man, there's times, I know for me, I am sleeping in my bed and my alarm goes off. And maybe you have experienced this before. Man, and just the weight of the day and everything that's going on is weighing down on me. It's, it's called a Monday. And my alarm starts going off and this small voice begins to speak to me and says, you know, you could probably sleep 10 more minutes and it not be a problem. Like you'll still get where you need to go on time. It's not gonna cause any difficulty for you. Just go ahead and hit that snooze button. And so, so I listen to that voice because it sounds really nice. And you know what ha happens 10 minutes later? That voice comes back and it's like, listen, I know you've already done this once, but, but here, here's what I know. If you try really hard, maybe you're a little bit more efficient, maybe you move a little bit faster, you, you could probably get, get it in one more time. And, and so and then, then you begin getting late and, and things begin getting crazy. Sometimes you just have those days and you might be coming in here today and it might be one of those days for you. And that's where we find ourselves in, in Mark's story, in Mark 2, 3, it says, and they came, bringing to him a paralytic man carried by four men. It says, and they came. We really don't know the relationship between these men and this paralytic man, uh, but, but here's what we do know. We know at some point that uh, they had met this man we know at some point they had met this man, maybe they had grown up in the same town, maybe they had lived on the same street, but they had came in contact with someone who was in need. They had met this man. And in this time period, it would have been assumed because of this man's condition that he had done something wrong in his life, that his family might have done something wrong, and he was currently bearing the consequences of his actions. The reason that he was in the state he was in was because of what he had done. And, and there is a part of Christianity that I really struggle with because there's people that I know that say they love Jesus and say they know God. And they would say that they know that God has saved them and it's not anything that they do that brings us into right relationship with God. But when they see people having those days, when they see people struggling, when they see people in need, instead of their hearts moving in compassion. Compassion is, is two words, co and passion. We are sharing in compassion. We are sharing in what they are feeling. And instead of feeling what they are feeling, instead of seeing that they are in need and, and being moved towards it, we just look down on them. We think, man, well, uh, they got themselves into that situation. Maybe if they were more like me, they wouldn't be in that situation. Maybe if they were more like me, things wouldn't be so bad for them. Maybe if they were more like me, things would be better for them. They would not be in that situation right now. And, and here's what I want you to know. The only reason that you are where you are, the only reason you are not in the same situation as those less privileged for you is because of the grace of God in your life. The only reason you are in the families that you were born into 
And the only reason you have the influence that you have and the resources that you have and the friends that you have and you can go to the schools that you go to is because of the grace of God in your life. You've done nothing to get yourself where you are. And, and what we're going to find out is that this man's identity was just caught up in his problem. And, and his identity was caught up in his problems. And listen, it is messy when we start diving into people's problems. It is messy and, and it is not easy. But here is why most people here is why most people uh, don't make a difference in other people's lives. It's because every opportunity has obstacles. Because they, this guy had a problem. This guy had a problem, and behind every problem is a person. And behind every person is a story. This guy had a problem, and he was caught up in his problem and his story. Man, they found out about his story and they began digging into who he was as a person. They began digging into who he was a person. He found out he had a family, that they were not so different. At some point, these four friends learned who this guy was, that he was not so different than him. This man lived on a bed that was basically a mat. And when people saw his mat, they saw his problem, they saw his situation, they saw his life. And when they wanted to do something for him, they, they hit a wall. And, and like I was just saying, the reason most people don't make a difference in other people's lives is because when they have the opportunity to do something, they hit an obstacle. When they have the opportunity to make a difference, they hit a wall. When they have the opportunity to reach out and do something for someone else, things get in their way. We find ourselves in Mark 2.4. And it says, and when they could not go near him and because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they made an opening, they let down on the bed on which the paralytic lay. You see, they had done all this work to get this man close to Jesus. They had done all this work to get this man as close to Jesus as possible. But there was no room around them because there was a crowd, right? There was a crowd of people there that were keeping them from bringing this man to Jesus. And, and can I tell you something? There is always a crowd. There is always a cost. There is always something keeping you when you are trying to make a difference. It's, it's something that's gonna cause you to maybe spend more time than you're willing to spend, spend more money than you wanna spend. Man, it's gonna cost you something you don't wanna give up, sacrifice something that you love a little too much. Maybe it's, it's popularity, maybe it's a relationship. But what they would have had to done is they would have had to actually pick up this man, carry him up onto the roof, cut a hole in the roof, and then slowly lay him down. Man, and I just wonder what the people around them would have been thinking when they saw that. What the people around them would have been thinking. Man, maybe they would have been upset that, that this guy was in their meeting, that this kind of guy had now come in proximity with what they were doing. More than that, I wonder what Jesus would have been thinking. Would Jesus have been upset that someone was interrupting his teaching? Would Jesus have been upset that this guy that had came in, he didn't really fit into their dynamic? Maybe Jesus would have been upset that there is a hole now in the roof. When he had came in that room, there wasn't a hole. Now there's a hole in this roof. And the way Jesus responds shows us something about him. It says in verse two, five, and when Jesus saw their faith, 
he said to the paralytic, sons, your sins are forgiven. I want you to, guys to say that with me. Saw their faith. Saw their faith. whose faith? Their faith? When he saw their faith. It was not the condition of the man that moved Jesus. It was not his great need or his spiritual lostness that, that, that moved Jesus to do something for this man. It was the faith of four people who did whatever it took to get this man close to Jesus. To get him in proximity to the one who could do something about it, to the one who could heal, to the one who could save. Four friends moved in action, they had compassion. Man, it moved past just good intentions. Did y'all know good intentions have a shelf life? Man, you, you feel burdened by something and you think you should probably do something about it, but that feeling goes away. They had a burden, they had a passion. They believed if I can just get this person close enough to Jesus, man, I believe he will do something. And in that moment, Jesus saw their faith and responded to that man. Jesus saw their faith and responded to that man. And here's what I believe happens. When we meet the needs of others, we allow them to borrow some of our faith. When we meet the needs of others, we allow them to borrow some of our faith. Man, when, when Jesus saw this man, he wasn't seeing anything about this man. He saw the faith of the four guys that brought him in there and responded to it. They are able to believe what we believe because they see it in us. We're able to share some of our hope with them. Man, I want you to see how Jesus responds specifically to this man. He said, son, your sins are forgiven. Here Jesus uses a term of endearment and familiarity to someone who would not have fit into that society, someone who was excluded, someone who lacked access, someone who lacked dignity, someone you would have told they probably shouldn't have been there. They didn't fit into this type of meeting. And in that moment, Jesus is saying, I see you. You are known, you are valued, you have dignity, you belong here, you are loved. Son, your sins are forgiven. Man, and I wonder what some of us would think if that kind of person was in here today. I mean, the, the, the people in that crowd Maybe they, they had walked by him so many times. Think about how many people walked by him and did nothing. That walked by him and did nothing, that their hearts never moved compassion. Maybe they thought, man, I really wish this guy wasn't on our street. And maybe for your students, you wish that they weren't on your bus, in your classrooms, on your sport teams. Most people don't believe they have value because no one is willing it, to show it to them. And, and the crowd does not like what's going on. In verse uh, six, it says, now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, why do you question these things in your heart? Why do you question these things in your heart? Man, I believe there's two types of people in here today. Some of us are like the people in the crowd. Some of us are like the people in the crowd and we're too busy trying to get something from Jesus that we don't have time to actually be like Jesus. 
Maybe if we were a little bit more like Jesus, we would have been the people bringing the paralytic man to him. Maybe if we would have been a little bit more like Jesus, we would have been more inviting to the people there, but we bring our agenda to him. We try to fit Jesus into our box. And the crowds were blocking the people that needed Jesus the most to get to him. The crowds were blocking the people that Jesus, that needed Jesus the most to get to him. And maybe you're just like these people and you're at every Jesus event looking for new information instead of acting out the things you already know, the things he's already asked you to do. Maybe if, if they had had that obedience, they would have been the people that brought them in and they would have been reaching out to the people in their community. Maybe instead of holding our hands out for more for ourselves, we would use those hands to bring someone along with us. Maybe we see the type of person that Jesus is saving and we're like, Jesus, do you really know what's going on with that person? Jesus, we might need to have a little chat. They're not really church people. I don't really think you know what you're getting into and instead of celebrating what God is doing in their life, we judge them. Jesus, are you really going to save that person? These religious people cared more about being right than they did about seeing people's life change. And then there's also another person in this story, right? There's one person we really haven't talked as much about and that is the man with the mat. The man that walked in there, the man that was excluded, the man that identity was caught up in his problem. And maybe you came in here today with a mat just like him. You have a problem or a difficulty that makes you feel like you're disqualified from God's love, from God's forgiveness, from his hope, from his healing, from his acceptance. Your mat makes you feel like an outcast. Your mat makes you feel like you do not fit in. Maybe for you, your, your family is falling apart. You're angry all the time and you don't know why. You feel pressured to do things that you know are wrong. You feel like damaged goods. And maybe you drug your mat in here today and, and when everyone else is singing these songs about how good God is, man, you're, that's just not your experience right now. You're not feeling that. And the, the shame weighs down on you and what you think if these people really knew who I was, if these people really knew what I had going on, they wouldn't accept me, they wouldn't love me. And here's what I believe God wants to speak to you today. God wants to speak to you today and say, hey son, hey daughter, your sins are forgiven. He wants to use a term of familiarity. He wants you to know that you are not alone, that you are seen, that you belong here. You are not an outclass, you are included. You have value, you are loved that he knows the good and the bad and he still loves you anyways. And I know last week, Derek was asking some of us to, to, to drop our nets, that we had some things in our lives that we needed to let go so we can follow God. But, but this week, Jesus is asking you to pick up your mat, that you have some things in your life that you feel like disqualify you from God's love, that you feel like disqualify you from being who God has called you to be. 
And he's saying, hey, I think you need to pick that up because you are changed. You came into this room with a problem and you are leaving with a changed identity. Man, and here's, here's what he says. When he told the paralytic man to pick up his mat, for him to physically pick up his mat, that means he would have already had to be standing. Like his situation had already changed for him to bend down and pick something up. And maybe for some of you in here today, you, you just need something to change. His mat would have been a symbol of his shame. And, and for us, some of us wear masks and we act like everything's okay because we don't want people to know about our mats. We wear, we wear masks because we don't want people to know about who we used to be. We wear masks and we act like things are better than they actually are. And we never get belong, beyond surface level conversations for people to know who we really are. Even though we act like everything is okay in our lives, we're just the same saying, if these people really knew me, I would not be accepted. I would not belong here. And for you, maybe your mat is a symbol of your current difficulty, that you don't measure up, that you are isolated, that you lack value, that you are not loved, that you are not cared for, that you do not belong. And the upside down idea that Jesus wants to communicate to you today is that he wants to turn the symbol of your shame into the image of your change. He wants to turn the symbol of your shame into the image of your shame. He wants you to pick up your mat. He doesn't want you to hide it. He doesn't want you to try to be better than you are. And maybe there's some people in here that think, man, there's just too much. There's too much shame. I can never be good enough. And Jesus is saying, hey, you just need to pick it up. You just need to pick it up. We're not forgetting all of the difficulties and all of the consequences that we are currently living in, but we know that God is saying, I am bigger than all of that right now. And you do not have to be burdened by the guilt or the shame that I am going to do something miraculous in your life, that I am going to, to cause something to change that you are gonna be different from the time you walked into this room. And when other people see your faith, when they see the way you live your life now, that they'll remember what your mat used to be. He doesn't want you to hide it. He says, pick it up. He says, carry it with you. Because when other people see your mat, they know that they have hope. Wasn't that the guy with the broken family? Wasn't that the guy dealing with that problem, with that bad relationship? Wasn't that the person that was struggling with depression? Man, something's changed in that person. The reason it's so important for you to carry your mat is because Jesus doesn't want us to hide who we used to be and be in shame but he wants other, to, other people to see that they can have the same hope that we have. When they see us walking in our lives, not hiding where we've came from, they can see there's hope for their situation. We can share some of that faith with them so for just a second they can believe that there might be something bigger, that there might be something better. 
that they know that there's a map, but they can still see Jesus as good. Man, if, if this person can come from that situation and they still think Jesus is good, there must be something there. And that's what we see as our, in Mark 10, it says, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise and pick up your bed and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. And, and here's what you need to know when Jesus came in contact with this man. He says, hey, before I meet your physical need, I need to meet your spiritual need. And for some of you students coming in here, you're coming in here with some type of situation, some type of problem. You're bringing in here your own mat and you're dragging it in here. And Jesus is saying, before I start dealing with that, there is a bigger issue that we need to deal with because I have hope that you need to get through that situation. I have love that you need to get through that situation. And maybe you feel like you can never be forgiven and he's here saying, I forgive you. Maybe you feel like you can never be loved and he's here saying, I love you. And so that you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are loved, he sent his only son to die on a cross for you so that you can experience the love that he has for you. Don't ever doubt it, he sees you, you are known, you belong here, you are valued, and God wants to use the things that you think disqualify you from his love, the things that you think disqualify you from following him to show the world that there is a good and loving God and that there is still hope. No matter the circumstance, there is still hope. Who in your life needs to know that there is still hope? Who needs to see your mat and know that if you got through that situation, maybe there's hope for them to get through it? Who needs to borrow a little bit of your faith so that they can know that there's a loving God that wants to meet them where they're at. May, may, may the people in our communities, in our schools, in our sports teams, and wherever we are, be like the people in this story and say, we have never seen anything like that. Because I saw a group of people using the symbol of their shame as an image of their change, and it changed everything. Pray with me real quick. God, we, we come to you today, Lord. And I know there's a lot of hurting people. I know there's a lot of broken people in here today. And I need, know more than anything that people just need to know that there's hope. That regardless of any situation we find ourselves in, that there is hope and healing and love and acceptance and forgiveness and I know that there's people in here that walked in here today and that they don't know that. That is not their reality. They feel like they're the outcast, that they're excluded. They feel like they're the paralyzed man on the mat. And God, I just, I pray today, man, if, if that's you with everyone's head bowed and eyes closed, will you just pray, if that is you, if you came in here today and you're saying, man, I need something changed, 
man, my situation is bigger than me. I don't know what's going on anymore, but I know I wanna walk out of here differently. I need that hope you're talking about. I need that love you're talking about. I need that acceptance you're talking about. Will you pray with me real quick? There's nothing magical about this prayer, but there is something powerful about this prayer because of who we're praying to. And we're just asking God, I know that I've messed up. I know my life feels like it's a mess right now. And I know that I drug a mat in here today and I didn't think that anything was gonna change. But I heard that there's hope and I heard that there's acceptance and I've heard that there is love and more than anything, I want that right now. God, will you help me, hold me, guide me, God? so that I can follow you. And guys, with heads bowed and, and he eyes closed, if that was you today, we, we wanna walk with you through this. Can you just do something for us real quick? Just raise your hand up. We have a gift for you. We wanna walk through this with you. And we know that there's some people that need that hope today. Awesome, keep that, don't, don't be afraid. Keep that hand up. We have someone that's gonna give something to you because we know that there is hope in the midst of any circumstance. You can keep those, those hands up for the rest of us in here, God. Maybe we've been the people in that crowd. Maybe we've been the religious people. God, maybe we need to extend our hands out and share our faith with people who don't, don't have it. Maybe as we begin to meet the needs of the people around us, they can share in some of our hope. Who needs to see our mats so that they know that you are good and you love them? God, we, we thank you. You love us so much. Thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.